You're now listening to The Architect Introspect, The Architect's official radio broadcast. My name is AJ Schaff, and we're back from spring break. I know it feels like forever ago, but yes, we are back. Granted, we take two weeks for spring break because our story writers need time to gather more stories, but I digress. And with this week's paper, we have some pretty hard-hitting stories, including our editor-in-chief, Tara Espinoza, and our editor, Jonan Mitchell, saying their goodbyes to The Architect. Very hard-hitting. They have been wonderful editors, and I gotta say, I'm gonna miss them a lot. But I have hope for our new editors, and I'm sure that they are going to be able to handle the ropes just fine. Then we also have a feature on the Anthropology Club, an editorial talking about why you should consider fun reading more, an opinion on the current state of AI and how it has gotten dangerously good, and a sports update on our Golden Suns. So without further ado, let's get into our first story of the day, which is a goodbye from Editor-in-Chief Tara Espinosa. I attended my first architect meeting in 2019, and in a blink of an eye, it's now 2023, and I'm saying goodbye. So here's my story. The first few weeks of college life were not smooth sailing for me. I was miserable and debating if tech was the right fit for me. But that first meeting changed everything for me. It was my saving grace. I remember walking out of the room and calling my mom to tell her I was so excited because I was writing for the campus newspaper. I ended the call with the line, I'm going to be editor one day. I was really manifesting that idea from the beginning. I wrote roughly three opinions until I found my calling in writing news. I've always been called the nosy Nancy, and news was the perfect way to learn the story before others. It also allowed me to meet new people, and it fit my personality. From there, I started branching out into other areas of the architect, writing features, taking photos, and reworking the social media pages always keeping in mind my goal of one day running the paper. In 2021, I finally reached that goal, and it felt so good. I had put in the work and was ready to expand the architect with new plans and goals to help the paper succeed. The first semester of being an editor was definitely a learning curve. The first paper I ever put together, we started at noon and did not finish until 5 a.m., which seems insane now, but I had no clue about the struggles that went into creating a paper. Some of you might not know, but we, the team, do everything from content to layout. It is truly a student newspaper, and when you have parts of the team missing, someone picks up the slack. We had parts missing, which meant a lot of it fell on me that semester. It was trial by fire for sure, however, I would not change it for the world. Within that semester, we found a webmaster and a layout designer, and we grew our staff. During my time as editor, we expanded the social media following while creating a radio show and featuring new content like short stories in the paper. We created our first video and won numerous awards. We became an RSO and started to be active faces on campus, tabling in events like the Evolvement Fair, Time Out for Tech, and Boo Bash. I have put my heart and soul into the architect, and don't get me wrong, there would have been times when it would have been easier to walk away from the Tuesday breakdowns, but I have loved my role. I've made many friends and learned new skills because the architect pushed me out of my comfort zone. My college experience would not have been the same without the paper. I am truly thankful that I was able to be an editor. I would like to thank 
the staff members who trusted me with their voices. I would also like to thank my editor, Jonan, who dealt with my bossiness, and my faculty advisor, Tommy Murmert, for believing in me. I wish my best to the next editors. We're going to miss you, Tara. All the hard work that you've put in has not gone unnoticed, and I am certain that without the time and effort that you've put in, that the architect would not be where it is today or nearly as successful. So while I am sad to see you go, I am happy to congratulate you on graduating, and I know that wherever you end up, you are going to be able to achieve great things. But if that tearjerker wasn't enough to get some tears out of you guys, this next one will be. Our next story is a goodbye from editor Jonan Mitchell, who personally helped not only get me involved in The Architect, but gave me the opportunity to become radio manager, and he originally started the show altogether. So without further ado, let's let Jonan take it away. I remember my last editors, Amanda Hampton and Camden Burris. Because of my classes, I often got my classwork sent to the newspaper, with the opportunity to perhaps have it published. She came up to me one day during an orientation leading training and asked me if I would be interested in graduating from contributing writer to staff writer. It was an instant yes. I remember my first story that made it above the fold. It was about the Vex University robotics team. I stumbled into a good story because they were heading to a world championship. Originally, my angle was just to write about them. I had a keen interest in robotics, and I thought the best way to bring that out was to talk to them via a news story highlighting the club. I remember, much like the editor-in-chief, Tara Espinoza, calling my mom, elated that someone that wasn't her actually read my work. Someone actually wanted my writing, my clunky sentence fragments, and odd word choice in their weekly publication. On the front page, no less. This seems like small potatoes. I understand that. Writing for a D2 college newspaper doesn't seem like it would be such an accomplishment, but to me, it meant so much more. To think that now I am writing my goodbyes as an editor is a strange thing, to say the least. I went from writing stories about robotic lawnmowers and new trees being planted to helping my editor-in-chief, Tara, run a multimedia news organization. I just want to thank everyone who made this possible. I especially appreciate Avery Hara and Brooklyn Russell, who stayed with me and Tara every Tuesday, sometimes for countless hours finishing up the newspaper. I also appreciate our staff advisor, Tommy Mummert, who imparted upon me a staunch and relentless love for true journalism. If there ever was someone to light a fire within me, especially in regard for my passion for writing, it was him. I wish to especially thank Tara, who taught me the ways of journalism. It was her who got me into print journalism in the first place. The first day we met, I told her print journalism was a dying field. For the record, that is not something you should say to an aspiring freshman print journalism student. As a senior print journalism student who switched his major one semester in, I now know how annoying that statement is. She was angry at me for a while, but despite our rocky start, our friendship has sprouted into something that transcends our love for print journalism. We've added so many more facets to the architect, turning the humble paper into something far greater and larger than a weekly publication, thanks in part to those on my staff who had a keen interest in transcending the limits of classic newspaper composition. For this, I wish to especially shout out our radio and social media managers, A.J. Schaff, Madison Herring, and Sabrina Roundtree, who took the initiative and have continuously made podcasts, radio news packages, and social media posts to ring out our message on multiple platforms. I'm glad to have gotten this opportunity to work as the editor alongside my staff for two years. 
I hope this is not the end for the architect, because to me, we are more than just a newspaper. And again, thank you so much, Jonan, for all that you've done for the architect. You and Tara made an awesome team, and without your help, I might not have even joined the architect. So thank you so much for giving me that opportunity and showing me what is possible in the journalism field. But now it's time to move on to this week's feature, which is also written by editor Jonan Mitchell, which covers the Anthropology Club. Walking into the Tectionary, a brick building located between Nutt Residence Hall and Administration, I was greeted by the crisp air that only seems to be found in historic stone and brick buildings. This threshold marks a distinct line between the marshy, humid air that tends to sit over Russellville as the trees bud and the flowers bloom. The familiar smell of antiquities and the smiling face of the social media correspondent for the Anthropology Club, Riley Cronister, ushered me further into the building. The orange glow of overhead lights illuminating the ancient stone artifacts, colorful posters dated half a century ago, and aged but regal military uniforms from wars fought before my grandparents were born. Reaching the back of the building, I was led into a stark white room. I shook the hands of James Allenbaugh, the president of the Anthropology Club, over a table filled with stone arrowheads. Pulling out a chair for Cronister, Allenbaugh sat across from me. Quote, we don't do dinosaurs. There is a misconception that anthropologists do. Paleontologists deal with dinosaurs. Anthropology is the study of humans and their cultures and how they developed, end quote. Allenbaugh said with a smile as he reclined in a well-worn chair. While the Tectionary is not a literal museum, according to the anthropology majors, it still functions as one. Allenbaugh opted to refer to the place as a research station. Quote, to be a museum, you have to have certain certifications, qualifications, and big fat funding, end quote, Allenbaugh said. The Anthropology Club keeps the Tectionary Research Station, which is open to the public, standing and running efficiently. In the wake of the COVID pandemic, the research station shut its doors for the foreseeable future. That is, until the Anthropology Club decided to reopen them. Quote, we're not a museum. We're not technically open to the public, but I promise you, if some random person comes in and says, hey, I hear you do some anthropology around here, I would want to talk to them about it. I am going to talk your ear off and maybe have a cup of coffee while we're doing it, end quote, Allenbaugh said. Quote, we have new displays out now. It is not the same stuff over and over again. We work hard on these displays and we want people to come in and appreciate them, end quote, Cronister said. According to Allenbaugh and Cronister, you do not have to be a major to be a part of the club. It does not matter what the specific interest is either. A student could be interested in archaeology, linguistics, physical, or biological anthropology. Quote, A lot of our numbers come from acquired anthropology courses that are required for gen education. We have two or three new members, and Dr. Lynch, the anthropology club advisor, does a great job teaching people what anthropology is and how it can translate to different jobs in the future. End quote. Cronister said. The duo explained that March is Archaeology Awareness Month in Arkansas, so the club was busy at work. This included several very important tasks. Quote, we worked our tail ends off doing displays and research on the artifacts. March has been consumed with that, end quote, Allenbaugh said. All the hard work culminated in an open house, which took place March 15th. According to Cronister, this event was a success, resulting in many positives. Quote, the open house went great. We forged new relationships with the history and political science faculty that will ultimately increase access to the collections for students from these majors, end quote, 
Chronister said. Chronister added the importance of community outreach to the Anthro Club. This includes things like historical maintenance, bake sales, and communicating with archaeology organizations, such as the Arkansas Archaeological Survey. There is an inherent nature of understanding and willfulness to learn others' culture when one takes up the reins of anthropology, something that the pair states is one of their favorite parts of it. Allenball states, quote, Anthropology is about understanding. If you understand people, you're going to be more successful in your life, in your career. Politicians and corporations hire anthropologists. You have to know your audience. There are real-world applications for this science. End quote. Anthropologists find themselves in an interesting middle ground when it comes to defining their studies. Quote, there is a quote I like, Allenbaugh states, I cannot remember the author, but they say anthropology is the most scientific of the humanities and the most humane of the sciences. Anthropology benefits those with another degree in their life. End quote. According to Chronister and Allenbaugh, just being a part of the club is enough to see this love in the study of differing cultures come to light. The love for anthropology, and by extension the Anthro Club, was not always the forerunner of their lives, however. They both began their schooling in a major that didn't suit them as well as anthropology does now. Chronister was a fisheries and wildlife major prior to switching to anthropology. Quote, I thought it was going to be so boring, and on the first day, it was incredible. The fisheries and wildlife people are amazing. The herpetology club is incredible. It wasn't for me, though. James Allenbaugh was the one to convince me to become an anthropology major, end quote, Chronister said with an open-handed gesture to the man sitting next to her. Quote, even a broken clock is right twice a day, end quote, Allenbaugh said as he shrugs his shoulders and flashes a bashful smile. As for Allenbaugh, he wanted to become a history teacher before he realized his love for historical facts rested in culture, not in conflict. Quote, Anthropology focuses more upon the people. We care about the big picture, but we also care about the small picture, and so that appealed to me more. End quote. As for joining the club, it's as simple as showing up to the Tectionary and following their Instagram, which is at A-T-U-A-N-T-H-C-L-U-B. A -N -T -H -C -L -U -B. Those interested can also email Dr. Lynch at jlynch8 at atu.edu for more information. Walking out of the Tectionary, it was hard not to feel like maybe I chose the wrong major. The way Allenbaugh and Chronister spoke about the major they found themselves in at ATU makes you want to share their anthropological passion. I found myself wanting to learn more about every display they had up. Every pop of color and every vintage display caught my eye as I walked through the room towards the exit that Chronister led me through not 45 minutes prior. The Anthropological Club feels less like a club and more like a family. A family with a shared passion that emanates through every interaction, both within the club and outwardly. For more information on any of the news you've heard in today's broadcast, please make sure to visit our website at architectnews.com. Our next piece is an editorial, which I will preface by saying that an editorial is the official opinion of the paper on a topical issue. So without further ado, let's get into this week's editorial. During the school year, students are frequently bogged down with assigned readings, whether it's sections in a textbook or chapters in novels. This often takes up a student's time and capacity to read recreationally. Many studies have shown that leisure reading in the U.S. has steadily declined. The architect would like to encourage our student body to give reading for fun a chance. Reading recreationally can relieve stress and generally makes you feel happier. A study by the University of Sussex found that just six minutes of silent reading can reduce stress levels by 68%.
Reading lets your mind slow down and focus, distracting you from anxious thoughts or situations. Several surveys have also found that people who book regularly are generally more satisfied. Reading is also known to be like a workout for your brain. Because of this, those who read more often are significantly less likely to develop dementia or Alzheimer's later in life. Reading is also a great way to improve your social life. Reading is a great starting point if you want to make new friends. Book clubs and libraries are great ways to meet new people. Books are also a great icebreaker and conversation piece. Additionally, reading the favorite books, stories, or poems of someone you care about is a great way to learn about them and feel closer to them. Reading is also important because it opens your mind. Books can expose you to various things you would not ordinarily be exposed to. This can be other cultures, sciences, philosophies, or general experiences of people different from you. The more you read, the more worldly you become. The library here at Arkansas Tech has a display each month celebrating diverse books. This is a great way to educate yourself while having fun at the same time. If you are the kind of person who prefers movies or TV shows, we understand. However, we suggest giving reading further thoughts. Books are a great way to get more content from your favorite franchise. Many successful franchises expand their world through books. Even if those books aren't canon, they are still a great way to experience more of a fictional universe. Star Wars, Doctor Who, CSI, and even Buffy the Vampire Slayer all have book series inspired by the movies or TV shows. Additionally, some of the most successful movies in the world are based on books. If you loved Lord of the Rings or The Hunger Games, you should try reading the books. If you love horror movies, you should try reading Stephen King's books. Even some documentaries are based on books if nonfiction is more to your taste. We understand that reading is challenging for everyone. Things such as dyslexia and ADHD can make reading difficult. We know that sometimes, after a long day, you are too tired to focus on a book. In these cases, we encourage you to explore other ways to enjoy the benefits of books. If you don't have a lot of time to read, consider picking up a poetry book. Poems are much shorter to read and can enrich your mind without wasting too much time. Novellas are also great for the same reason. If you'd like to experience stories as rich as a long series but don't have enough time, try picking up a novella or book of short stories. These stories have the same feel as a 300-page book, but are far less overwhelming. You may even find that you really enjoy it. If you are not a visual person, try an audiobook. Audiobooks are a great way to experience the benefits of reading without the struggles. You can buy audiobooks from places like Audible and find them for free from the library, YouTube, and even Spotify. For the rest of that editorial, make sure you pick up this week's paper and read it. Or you can read it on our website at architectnews.com. Our next piece is an opinion on the current state of AI and how it has become extremely advanced in such a short amount of time. This piece is written by me. The age of information is both an exciting and terrifying time to be alive. While it is no question that recent technology has benefited humanity beyond belief, it has also created unintended consequences that we, as a guinea pig generation, are having to deal with. A prime example, and one that cannot be understated in its impact, is artificial intelligence, known as AI. 
Just this past year, services such as ChatGPT, MidJourney, and deepfake generators have shown that the development of AI has become incredibly advanced right under our noses. With a few key words or an audio sample, it is possible to generate images, convincing academic essays, and even fake voice recordings that are terrifyingly realistic. In our abundance of information, it is already difficult to sort through what is fact and false. With the addition of AI producing generated content, things are only going to get more confusing. While this technology isn't perfected yet, it is only a matter of time before AI-generated material starts falling through the cracks and begins getting mistaken for fact. On the bright side, there are already technologies that allow for the detection of AI-generated content. One example being programs that detect ChatGPT-generated material at schools and colleges. Furthermore, increasing the public's awareness of AI and educating older generations on how to detect it is a surefire way to help prevent widespread misinformation. Currently, AI is being used for concept art and memes. There are even voice clips on social media of US presidents talking to each other about playing Minecraft. However, it is clear that AI is going to dominate the future of many industries and change our lives as we know it. Unfortunately, we do not have time to get to our sports today, but with that, this has been the Architect Introspect on 91.9 KXRJ. For more information on any of the stories you've heard in this broadcast, please visit our website at architectnews.com. The music for today's broadcast was provided by C418 and is called Stall. Thank you so much for listening, and if you're listening on Spotify, thank you, and make sure to follow and rate us five stars. We'll be back at 6 p.m. next week for our last episode of the semester, 6 p.m. Thursday. Thank you so much for listening, and have a good weekend.